0: Most of the comments are saying that's it. You know, everybody leaves and embrace impermanence, and that mm-hmm. this is change. This is the world of change and so on, which is true in some level. Um, but what the mystics would say, and kind of I cite Yogananda and of course in miracles and all my all my faves and rumi, um, of saying, Well, the only relationship that never leaves you is. God.
1: Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast. I get to chat with Bob Peck today, who is an author and mystic who has researched Christianity and published the book Original Sin is a Lie. And the subtitle of that is How Spirituality Defies Dogma and Reveals Our True Self. Original sin is a lie, he says the other way to say that is that we are inherent goodness and we talk about a lot of different spiritual traditions in this podcast episode just as he does in the book. I read his book over the course of two or three days, um, while well, I listened to it as an audio book and um, got to chat with him about all different aspects of it and ask him to go into more depth about certain areas. You don't have to have read his book to listen to this podcast, but if you listen to this podcast and enjoy the material, I highly recommend that you go check out the book, which is available as a physical book and as an audiobook um, wherever those things are sold. So without further ado, let's get into it. Oh, and also before we begin, A little trick there Um, please 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 remember to like subscribe comment rate whatever wherever you're listening to it and however um, that is made available to you it really does help us and it takes you just a few seconds to do so thank you in advance all right hello bob welcome
0: hey porter glad to be here
1: I am so glad that you're here, too. I am really excited. I heard you on Aubrey Marcus's podcast and was like, I need to hear more about this. Um, And I'm so glad that you agreed to do it. Yeah. So I was just telling you that I finished your book like four minutes ago, right before I pressed record. So awesome. (laughs) Quite a feat.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. What a what a great book. I mean, so your book is called Original Sin is a Lie. My assumption about it, even after listening to Aubrey's podcast, was that it was about Christianity, uh, which is sort of is. But it I mean, you're there's much more about it on Eastern philosophy and spirituality and religion in it than Right. Yeah.
0: I'm kind of it's kind of a love and like relationship with the title <laughs> because some people are just like, Oh, it's a little, it's, it's an edgy title, but it's, I guess it's designed to kind of make people double take. I also like I made films for 10 years about spirituality and all of my film titles are very like chill. So I was like, you know what? I'm writing a five-year book. It took me a long time. It's basically my life's work. It's was like, you know, I'm going to really serve up some heat. And frankly, original sin being a lie is a cohesive with the world of mystics as you now know and probably knew before but you know the idea that we're inherent goodness which is really all original sin is a lie means you're inherently good that's a theme in the mystic traditions and eastern philosophy in a lot of great places so totally I, a yeah. friend of mine was like i thought you were just gonna debunk original sin the doctrine for 300 pages i'm so glad you didn't do that
1: <laughs> that's such a good point because after you got after i got through the first chapter i was like i wonder where it's gonna go now
0: because <laughs> <laughs> it's already, dismissed we already this. Did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny
1: yeah that's really awesome so I mean, you are like deep into mystical spirituality. Obviously, you have like it's not just a passion, it's like a degree. I mean, you studied this, it's, you know, it's experiential, but it's also knowledge-based. Um, what was I have to ask you this question though, because I was curious about this just in the title and then realizing what this what the book was actually about. What do you feel was like? the was there an intended audience for this was there someone that you were speaking to when you were being like this is what i know and this you know this may shock you or
0: it's a great question and it's like funny because i think you know i did look at like a couple of book writing books and courses as i was putting it together and they were like step one who's your audience and it's like for mystic spiritual philosophy, it's like every human being <laughs> because <laughs> we're all sparks <laughs> cosmic infinite but um you know i think really the younger generations my generation our generation and like younger um because the older generation although there have been some older folks that have liked it i i kind of i didn't self-edit that much i'm like pretty casual and i'm just using like contemporary nomenclature and so i think like you know i'd say probably 20s 30s person who's maybe done like a psychedelic who's questioning the religion of their upbringing which is Mm. probably christianity Mm. Um, and really i mean the people who have enjoyed the book the most which has been the most like gratifying thing ever in the last year um is people saying hey, I really struggled with Christianity and your book really helped me put it together and kind of understand the value of it alongside of the kind of corruption of it and like be able to like talk to my family about it in a way that I'd never before, you know, that those kind of, I've got a few of those messages. It's like, okay, then I did my job, you know, on some level. Um, But yeah, no, great question. It if you, basically it's for people who are so you probably maybe heard of the term deconstruction um, okay people who are deconstructing are kind of pointing to it now to say hey this is a really nice deconstruction manual um but uh, yeah it's really for just kind of anybody it's like if you read anyone who's read Eckhart Tolle or C.S. Lewis like it you know it's kind of for anybody
1: did that shock you or did that surprise you? Like when you were in, in when you put it out, and then because I read some of the comments um, on your video from Aubrey Marcus, and there was another interview that you did, and I read some of them that were like, you know, this this helped me so much understand and, my upbringing better. Was that what was that expected, or was it? it was, I was I was definitely
0: hoping for it to to hit Christians. Um, I think, yeah, I. I think honestly the thing that surprised me a little bit maybe it shouldn't have but like i've have gotten a lot of vitriol
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um on instagram and tiktok um and it's it's because it's from christians who are just so tight yeah and it's it threatens their uh you know fear-based dogmatic stuff but it's like it comes from a you know, it comes from a place of love and, and they're suffering. And so I'm, that helps me, you know, they're in a place of fear and uncertainty. So that helps me kind of transmute that a little bit. Um, But yeah, I mean, I've definitely been, I I have been a little bit surprised in in terms of, I mean, even about a month or two in, a guy messaged me and said, like, I was suicidal. And this is, you know, it was a while ago, he said, but you know, I've been in some really dark places because of my religion and
2: like mm.
0: I've been on the mystical path and this really like is is was a key step for me in understand. It's always like, okay, well then, you know, <laughs> what else am I what else is there to do, Porter? I mean, it's like, <laughs> okay. I, I helped that one person. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna head out now. You know, it's <laughs> like, um, I mean, I think that what motivates me is that there's so many. I mean, there's there's millions of Christians and millions of religious people that are in the space where like they love Jesus, and yet they struggle with modern church. You know, Yogananda calls it churchianity, You know, modern kind of hypocrisies, and um, you know they have maybe they have a gay cousin, and they're like, well, wait, I love him, and yeah. they have a Muslim coworker, and they're going, well, they are they going to go to hell? Like, there's there's a lot about Christianity that's hard to reconcile, um, as you know, and so um, you know, I. In some ways, I feel like I'm just getting started. Like I'm, I'm definitely like motivated and inspired by the reception thus far. And as a self-published author, kind of that that nobody uh, you know was expecting or kind of really aware of until uh, recently. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm motivated to try to, you know, point others in the direction of their own, you know, inherent divinity in some in some capacity in a humble way. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Well, we don't know anything about each other, really. I mean, I've read your book, but you're just meeting me. And my my background, I I was uh, practicing Sikh for eight years. Oh wow! Amazing. Yeah, I'm a mantra artist, and so I'm I'm very familiar with all the Eastern stuff. I actually didn't grow up Christian, but one of the things that intrigued me as like an adult was something that you mentioned in the book, which I thought was really cool. So many of the things that you mentioned in the book are like so uh, synchronistic. Um, cause I know some of the people or I've like, you know, I know of them. Um, but. You, you mentioned this idea that you had, I think when you were nine, that you went to a church camp and someone said, all you have to do is accept the Lord Jesus into your heart or whatever. And that's something exactly. that I've thought too, because there was so much that I had to do, you know, quote unquote, had to do as a Sikh Um, mm-hmm. to be on my path, but it seemed like, it, like Christians had it pretty easy. <laughs> or in their mind like all they had to do was (laughs) say yep jesus is in my heart and then you know i can perform any behavior or you know whatever and like it's all so i I thought that was really i thought that was really um
0: that's interesting and yeah that's an early point in the book kind of where which was an early moment for me in my life of saying uh or i'm actually doing this practice where i'm replacing the words life with incarnation
1: ah okay
0: so that was an early point in my incarnation of running into a bible old lady and saying and her basically sweet little lady saying do you want to go to hell or do you want to go to heaven and i was eight years old it was like well one of them sounds a lot better than the other one from from my humble understanding here so i'm gonna go with that and she goes well all you have to do is say jesus is my lord and savior and it was like kind of like a sign here i mean it really was like almost like contractual on this like little pamphlet and um. Yeah, I mean, even at that age, to me, it was kind of so preposterous. Um, that that really started me down the questioning path, and I really a lot of people kind of. Were, I'm interested in your experience too, and as a Sikh, I, I mean, a lot of because that's a deep spiritual tradition. Whereas a lot of our generation, I think, in the secular 21st century, when they leave the the religion of their upbringing, they say okay, see ya, you know, it's like, oh, it's all fairy tales, and, you know, a big component of my work is to say, don't throw out the baby with the bath, you know, it's like, there's really, the baby's great, (laughs) you know, the water's dirty, but, um, you know, there wouldn't be, these, these traditions wouldn't still be prevalent if there wasn't any juice, in there and so you know a lot of what the book does is try to kind of uncover what came typical in christianity certainly what came later and kind of what's the true initial original true teaching of jesus as close as we can understand it using kind of scholarship Mm -hmm. alongside of the mystical experience um but yeah i um yeah well there's a lot of places we could go but i think um in terms of what you're saying about Sikhs having to do a lot of things you know what one of the best and Christians not you know one of the um I made a video about this recently which is I think it's in the book maybe maybe but like you know no one else can do it for you Mm -mm. you know that's Mm -mm. a very like mystic and eastern idea that's extremely separate from like the salvation of Jesus you know he, he saved you it's like well yeah that would be really great (laughs) but but that's you know and this i realize this is personal for some people but um you know it's it it doesn't seem like that's the case it seems like it seems like the move is to imitate him
2: it seems like
0: he was the example to set you know these teachers these traditions guru nanak you know buddha muhammad all the greats of men and women throughout history they've reached this level of attainment you know of, of 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 almost giving up their individuality they undo the egos so powerfully that they're just a vessel and that's what we're all doing we're all on the wheel of samsara if you will and we're all just going around and around undoing our own obstacles to our own awareness um you know as opposed to kind of this one or done did you side the pamphlet or not
2: thing you know right.
0: it's it's uh, it seems like a mystery
1: when you were saying that it made me sort of think of just the way that we in the west also conceptualize of healing in general like you know um physical healing like you know in in the west we say take this pill <laughs> you know in the east it's like well it's you know
0: what are you this. eating yes yeah, like it's this now? whole
1: holistic thing and you are required like you were expected to do quite a bit to promote your own healing whereas in the West, we have this concept of like the savior doctor. maybe. That's
0: very interesting. I have not made that connection and you're absolutely correct on the, like something outside of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which we've kind of exported to the rest of the world, but
0: (laughs) right. Right. It's a more, yeah. Our export is (laughs) being a good little, you know, uh, well, I love that verse, the Jonathan Edwards, uh, sinners in the hands of the angry God, you know, it's like that's a puritanical american christianity like sinners in the hands of an angry god and like mm. uh there's a great book called american veda by um philip goldberg yes. for any kind of american yogis i reference a lot of books yeah, my you, book is basically just a so commercial many down. A other books I, I
1: wrote so many down like <laughs> i have to read this one american veda
0: okay. american veda so um essentially you know how how did yoga and and eastern philosophy vedic philosophy come to america it starts actually with emerson ralph waldo emerson and thoreau the transcendentalists they got essentially the first english copies of the gita the upanishads you know it was in boston new england in, in that period middle 1800s and they started you know emerson's reading this and going Oh my God, I am a part of the infinite. You know, I mean the transcendentalists are, you know, as good as anybody. The they're Whitman's America's roomie, you know, and like they're 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 the mystic American ancestors. And and Emerson's going, this is the is the deal, not this kind of you're this dirty little um sinner that you know must repent and, and you know, full of shame and guilt. Um and so it, you know, it starts from there and obviously um you, you know built a lot of momentum with the counterculture and uh, yoga nanda uh, Vivekananda comes in 1893 yogananda comes in 1920 and then um and then a bunch of swamis in the 60s and 70s obviously and here we are there's a yoga studio on every corner but yeah. um it's you know it it, it america that it's interesting you know just you talking about kind of the connection between the spirituality and the culture like um you know america really fits well kind of with this idea from the vedas of you know this infinite potential this infinite potentiality which is like such an american you know idea somewhat ironically um as opposed to the the pilgrims
2: yes
1: that is, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, we, we, wow, I'd never
2: considered we, that. We believe
0: in us, you know, yeah. so much, so, to a fault, you mm-hmm. know, obviously, in some ways, but with um, <laughs> without much humility, typically, on the global stage.
1: Yeah, and it feels so identity-driven, like, personal identity-driven, as opposed to, like, look at what we've done for each other, or for, you know, community. There's, like, almost no community in the, or
0: yeah the, you know. there's pros and cons yeah
1: yeah <laughs> interesting I have so many questions for you <laughs> let's do it so I have a really pedantic one because I didn't quite get it from the book the what is the bcad bcece thing I
0: yeah okay so I mean I, I know you explain it right? but I
1: just I didn't get it
0: yeah so about well about ten Well, when I was in school, they were starting to switch to CE. I was in, I was in college 06 to 11, um, kind of went in like public school, elementary school. It was still BCAD for me. Uh BC means before Christ. AD means like, it was like after death. It's Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. But, um, it's a very religious way to look at BCAD. And then by the time I was in university, they started to say, um, Common Era (CE) is the okay. new AD, and then BCE is before Common Era. Okay. So they kind of they hung on to that BCE, but it's so just like a they're inner
1: they're, interchangeable. Non-religious, they're the interchangeable. Dates don't yeah.
0: change BCE and CE exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I was getting
1: I I was for some reason I was getting very nervous as you were saying like seventy About CE. The I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're we supposed to like minus ten or something. Okay, okay. so it's it's the same. Well, Numbers the same aren't thing. my language either. Okay. My okay. sister. Yeah. Same <laughs>
0: thing.
1: That's really that's really cool. And then the other thing that I wanted to ask you about were like, so you have so many great kind of I won't call them parables, like uh oh my gosh, what's the word? Like anecdotes. Anecdotes, mm. like th- things yeah. that you relate. I mean, I felt like that was such an amazing part of reading your book oh, because you. I've I've read a lot of spiritual books and you can get kind of lost in like the ideas of them and not really know how to relate them to yourself or to your life to your incarnation yeah,
2: right, right.
1: <laughs> um and so i really appreciated that and one of Thank two you. of the ones that you mentioned i'd actually watched the ted talks of but oh, i sort yeah. of wondered how you came into like the awareness of them there was one and i think i think this is who they are daryl davis who is the yeah and then the KKK Jill KKK Bolt, Taylor, yeah. that yeah. single one that is like one of my favorite ted talks i've ever seen for the reason that you discuss yeah in it which is that it just exemplifies love and oh my i mean yeah I, so I, Dar- i'm curious daryl, to know daryl davis that is story. amazing
0: daryl davis is still alive too um and he's on instagram go follow him he okay like, does webinars and music things and stuff uh he's a black man he's a musician who famously has befriended i think over 300 kkk members um you know it's just that's early in the book when i'm talking a lot about like you know what's the true teaching of jesus and you know love your enemies pray for those who persecute you um you know which nobody's doing (laughs) in 2023 um you know it's like for for jesus to say that when there's people are getting sword heads chopped off i mean that's it's amazing that he said love your enemies you know you're supposed to love your he says you're supposed to love your neighbor and hate your enemy that's what you've heard but i say love your enemies and people just going like no wonder we're still talking about this guy they were just going what he's talking about um and and Daryl Davis, yeah, Daryl Davis did that. And I, that section in particular, I've I've loved him for a long time. And like, one thing I'm, I'm not, well, I'm not sure how to phrase this because it is what it is. There's a lot of Bible stuff in the book, more than I typically or like more than I wanted. It's 330 pages, 320 pages. About the first 90 pages, pretty Bible-y, which because of the title you know it's you gotta debunk a little bit of christian stuff but i was dying to like break up some really heavy bible scholarship just to not lose readers because some people i'm sure are buying the book reading 25 pages and going i don't care about the gospel of matthew anymore you know thanks but no thanks and you know i get that and but so the daryl davis story it was like it, there's other stuff in here there's cool <laughs> stuff it's coming uh, oh, okay. And he's just an amazing great and a living hero, but yeah, I was trying to like not be so you know to your point like i I've also read a lot of religious textbooks, and you know they they are pretty dry um of just the A to Z just wall to wall information, and so throwing some anecdotes in there, either from my life or other people's i actually even the first the first version of the book was about forty pages of a kind of an intro to me like the very early version i sent it to a writer friend of mine and he was like this is really good but you need to sprinkle this i would he's like i would sprinkle this out throughout the book and kind of to just mix it up rhythmically and that was genius because I i mean that's what i ended up doing because i had thought falsely that nobody would care what I had to say unless I kind of explained myself first, but that's not true. People want to just enjoy the book and they learn about you as they go. And they, you know. So anyway, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a purposeful kind of change of scenery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I thought that that really made the book um, amazing to read Thank because you. you need that like, I want to feel that connection need a to the writer, yeah, but also, like, I just, I want to, like, experience what your experience of it is, you know, because, mm. like, that's mm-hmm. why I'm reading your book, you know, right, um, right, yeah, one of the amazing re- well reveals the stories that you tell is like what was going on in your mind when you're meeting this business person. I thought that mm. was really I thought that was really courageous of you to share that, you know, knowing that this person would see it <laughs> because one, it was so relatable. I mean, we all think these thoughts about people, right? But we don't necessarily share them, um, especially if we're, you know, quote unquote, spiritual people or, or mystics or whatever, like, um, but it it's those so moments much. that make us obviously self-reflective, right?
0: If yeah. I'm going in, I got to, you know, it's like, this is my book. This is, if I'm talking about spiritual philosophy, I have to, you know, shine the light on my own, like, ego tendencies if I'm, you know, if, I, if I'm really able to demonstrate this. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think the section is called proving my spiritualness. Hmm right or, which is which is so real you know mm-hmm. i was talking to some friends recently about you know kind of ego in the spiritual world which is there's no shortage you know and like and and the worst of it is like the cults and like cult leaders and stuff like that people that are charismatic and they're, but they're like trying to do the higher consciousness thing but then people get into it. and it's like oh you know it's just a, and it's just a bunch of egos and, you know your bikrams and you know whatever um so i think just yeah just trying to to draw it out and be vulnerable about my own uh, <laughs> my own opportunities to grow and forgive
1: yeah yeah Thanks i really appreciated her. that that sort of um you included the idea of there being some humanness and um egoicness even in these what did you call it the truthiest of the truth like you mm. like you felt that you felt this draw to the eastern spiritualities but even yeah. then you know which I've experienced because I was in what some would call a cult um you even then you know you can experience what the Catholic Church is experiencing or you know what what bigger
0: totally thing. and you know very happy to Double down on that with you for your audience, which is every religion, tradition, path has the highest beings of yeah. civilization and the most barbarous, you know, abusers of civilization and everybody in between, you know, and you know. To your to your point, it's like I think when I when I left, quote unquote, sounds so dramatic. When I left Christianity, it wasn't quite like that some people had very dramatic things where they tell their preacher like i'm getting out of here buddy and you know that's not what my experience was but anyway when i when i wasn't a christian anymore i was like that's christianity's silly and like hinduism's obviously the one and um you know a few years into it you see the nuance and um And yeah, there was a, in Tripping Springs, I'm in Austin, Texas, in Tripping Springs, there was a beautiful Hindu temple that uh, was, was uh, rocked by um, a sex abuse scandal. This guy was taking advantage of young girls and um, he actually escaped. He Hmm. went down to Mexico and made it out to India. He's on the most wanted list. Um, The temple changed their name. I mean, it's, it was a pretty dramatic thing and that was right around the time when I was reading Yogananda Ramakrishna Ramana Maharshi I was just like this is they they, they have everything you know and yeah. it's like oh well they have this too you know? yeah and okay. at the same sorry oh, go ahead. oh no go ahead well I was just going to say and then and then in terms of Christianity I've done a lot of food bank work I mentioned this in the book too mm-hmm. and about almost half of that time about the past decade has been at a Methodist church and they're they are Christians that are living the Sermon on the Mount. You know, mm-hmm. every Saturday they feed about three hundred working poor and uh, and homeless. And mm-hmm. um, they're the kind of Christians who are like, see the Christ in the per, in the person you're serving. You know, and they, they're the ones who would be like, "Can I pray for you?" And it's just like, oh, "Absolutely, <laughs> please bless me." Uh, you know,
1: that was a really beautiful moment too in in your book. It's so fresh in my mind, which is nice. It's, I can, I can see it. So you're driving and you see this billboard. That's like, I don't remember the exact words. Pray, repent.
0: Oh yeah. Something. Um, Yeah. Gosh, what was it? Pray, repent, and um, obey. Obey. Pray, obey, repent.
1: It was one of those things where like I'm as somebody who who doesn't, you know, practice Christianity, like I felt that sort of like uh, that uh, moment and you like you describe yourself as being in this such high vibrational state that you were able to like understand these words, which you actually talk about Byron Katie a little bit later Mm -hmm, on, but it kind of reminded me about how she listens to things and she's Mm. like, oh, you know, what the fuck am I doing (laughs) (laughs) like when someone yells at her. it, that was that was really cool that was a
0: thank you yeah, yeah the um the piece was about how you know also the those are now english words right pray obey repent but that the english carries a certain cultural meaning that might be different from the original yeah. you know and so that was a little bit of part of that section but yeah just to say like what is another word for pray meditation Mm. right what's another word for obey um you know surrender Mm. surrender to it all you know surrender to something greater than yourself is kind of another way of thinking about obeying god you know surrendering Mm. to cosmos and repent really just means reflect and forgive and change your ways in the past and so that's what I say. in the thing is that's spiritual Instagram <laughs> meditate, surrender to the cosmos and, you know, forgive your past self. Mm. So, yeah, I think, you think, you know, as you said, it's like when you're, when you're wrapped up in the egoic kind of tightness of, Oh, pray, repent, obey in all caps <laughs> on the billboard. It's like, you know, screw that guy who put that up there, but you know, it's it's just a reminder yeah it can be it can be kind of worked through yeah maybe, maybe read in a new way or maybe i'm just a crazy mystic border and don't listen to anything i say
1: <laughs> well it's certainly i mean with all of this right like it's, it was better for you to see it that way that's
0: true <laughs> that's right it, and i was i refused to be tight of it yeah. yeah
1: but for me as the reader it I immediately saw all these parallels to, because there's vocabulary, right? Like Christians mm-hmm. are are comfortable with a certain vocabulary. Exactly. Hindus are certain. You know, I do a lot of, uh, I don't know, New Age. I guess you'd consider, you know, and we're we're comfortable with certain words, and then when they're yeah. used in other settings, it's like, oh no, I don't identify with that word, you know. um
0: Totally. Yeah, and and there's a, a chapter in the book called "New Names for God," which I was talking to my cousin about recently. Um, well, uh, this is a nice little story, and I, I I'd be happy to um, get your thoughts on it too. Um, I made a video about it. I think I wrote about it on Substack, but um, in it was in the subreddit Our meditation. You know the 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 Reddit you know category for meditation okay this guy um made a post it was a question and he said is there anyone in life who never leaves you you know which is a deep question it's Mm. a beautiful question and he says you know everyone i've ever met in some capacity is going to leave me or has left me you know oh i
1: was thinking about it about in thought but okay no like physically
0: no he, he yeah just like a love that never leaves basically was what he gotcha. said, you know, whatever that means to you. And, um, and most of the comments very secular in our meditation, most of the comments are saying, no, you know, <laughs> that's it. You know, everybody leaves and embrace impermanence and that mm-hmm. this is change. This is the world has changed and so on, which is true in some level. Um, but what the mystics would say and kind of, I cite Yogananda and of course, in miracles and all my, all my faves and Rumi, um, of saying well the only relationship that never leaves you is god hmm. that's according to the mystics that's the eternality and uh, i told this to my cousin the other day and she said well if you if that's what you believe <laughs> I said, well to the mystics it doesn't matter if you believe it or not you can't escape the love of cosmic creator right. you know the infinite is not you know Right. Escapable, and she goes well she goes maybe it's just that word you know when yeah. you said god i think of something else that what else than what you're talking about now and it's oh well you should read this chapter in my book called new Names for god pick one right you know, um because every tradition has some and uh yeah great mystery uh, i like R- bovatsky's rootless root of all mm. you know there's a lot of really poetic uh, mm. names out there for for what can't be spoken of right, right probably right. the best the best name is the ineffable you know potentially but um but yeah i think just that word god is tough for a lot of people that grew up in abrahamic traditions
2: yeah
1: understandably well this this is a question that i had too this is i'm i'm almost embarrassed at how pedantic i am but um oh, I guess that's that's just me um <laughs> so You mentioned, because I I have this background of having practiced Sikhism, I've heard a lot of Indian people go, Sikhism is the fifth largest world religion, blah, blah. Mm. Um, And so when you mentioned the five largest world religions and you didn't mention Sikhism, I got curious. So I looked it up and I was like, that's interesting because the readout said, the five largest world religions are considered the ones that you mentioned, Mm. even though (laughs) Sikhism, Shintoism and Taoism have bigger following bases.
0: Then Judaism? What,
1: really, then that really made me Maybe. wonder. I'm like, well, yeah, then Judaism. I'm like, well, so then why do we say it's one of the, like that? Yeah. <laughs> what, what's your feeling about that? That's really interesting to me.
0: <laughs> to be honest, I'm probably due for a 2.0 of that whole framework, you know, because you're right. And I talk about Taoism a lot, too. Yeah. Um, as I'm, a, a you know, long admirer. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's just the three. For me, the simple way, at least in like world religion one hundred three hundred one or whatever, is like the three Abrahamics, Hinduism, Buddhism. Right, right. And that's you know, that's probably the most reductive way of looking at religion on planet Earth. But, but you're right. Yeah, Shinto. What do you say? Shintoism, which is like kind of traditional Japan. Yeah. Uh, religion. Taoism. Sikhism. Sikhism uh are the big so what is that the big eight
1: I guess, I mean they're small <laughs> like I think Judaism you know it might fall somewhere to the right of all those I mean even like yeah. Sikhism the, those are still really small like I was looking at the percentages yeah. I'm like okay it might be the top five but it's top it's like five I think it's, yes, kind of a long
0: Christianity Islam Hinduism yeah Buddhism yeah probably are like nobody's really close to those four yeah there's a big no. skip, but then there's here's the other thing. Those aren't monoliths either,
1: no.
0: right? So there's because they have sex how many denominations them or, of Christianity? Oh, right. Yeah, how many right. differences in in Islam? Right. There's at least three in right. Islam. There's at least three in Buddhism. Right. Um, you know the Mahayanas and the Vajrayanas disagree about this text, and I think it was Gandhi who said, because this is the 50s, but he said there's four billion religions. <laughs> now there's 8 billion, I guess. That's, that's, that's a good way of looking at it.
1: Oh, I like that. I've never heard that before. That's great. Yeah. Everybody has their own interpretation <laughs> of what they're doing.
0: There's 4 billion. How many uh, religions are there? Oh, Raji? Yeah. Mahatma. That's
1: great. So your, your book was the second mention of the term panenthe, am I pronouncing mm, panentheism? Yeah.
0: See, that's the thing you're saying pedantic. I'm like, your water's water is just fine.
1: <laughs> okay, great. I'm in good company. <laughs> um, because I was just sent this book by someone who liked my music. Uh, mm. He had written a prayer book. And oh, cool. in it, he mentions that he is a panentheist, not to be confused mm. with pantheist. Yeah. You you explain the difference. Would Would you mind going a little bit deeper into that if you feel like it?
0: Sure. And, yeah, I'd love to. I believe the term comes from Alfred North Whitehead. Um, who was a pretty famous academic on mystic philosophy and spirituality and just famous philosopher professor um, alongside, I think his student was Charles Hartstorn, who um, kind of further popularized the term. But yeah, they basically, and like Max Müller, who was an early German scholar, of like the Vedic tradition, um, you know, yeah, basically, they, they kind of realized after once you read enough of these sutras, um, that that pantheism is productive in terms of saying, oh, God is in everything. Um, Hinduism, Hindus, these Hindus are pantheists, because they see God in everything. And that's really not quite accurate, um, kind of from the ontological view Mm. Uh, def- definition of god within hinduism and and again if you want to talk about not a monolith it's hinduism there's really okay. even no hinduism proper these different sects of different um you know veda there's different schools of thought um uh, i want to say nine schools of indian philosophy but anyway it's in the book check it out but um panentheism that little "en" um after pan panentheism Implies transcendence. So not only is God in everything, God is also beyond everything. Um, Mm. The way it was explained to me by a yoga philosophy professor was in the same way that we are able to kind of do yoga and meditative practices with our bodies and kind of transcend our bodies in a spiritual way, so does God transcend the universe. Hmm. kind of the universe as god's body but the spirit of god transcending the 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 universal body if you will like so
1: is panentheism meant as sort of like an upgrade linguistically it's not meant to be like a dual thing like some people are like Hindus or pantheists right. but it's, i'm a pantheist
0: yeah. Right, exactly. It's more of just say, hey, here's a little more clarification that's useful. And and even there's a great book, too, called History of Mysticism that I quote, that I reference, that has nine reviews on Amazon. I love obscure spiritual books. That's like my favorite thing in the world. Um, History of Mysticism by Swami Avayananda talks a lot about um, this term, the imminent and transcendent and that kind of alpha and omega kind of from Jesus, you know, this idea of like the the dual nature of both being imminently present Mm -hmm. in the world alongside of transcendence, kind of a capital I, capital T, imminent and transcendent. So I think panentheism is a nice, yeah, philosophical, like semantic term, um, as opposed to kind of, you know, pantheism is almost used as often as it, as it is in a, referent reverential way it's almost used in a pejorative way you know oh they're pantheists um, you know and it's like well that's not quite it
1: because that's sort of like um it's people typically have like what image? a christian
0: would say oh they got a million gods or you know okay. or, or, or like
1: or like they yeah like like they're h- pagan like kind of pagan
0: right exactly it's a dismissive can be you know from from that kind of Christian vantage point um which is another issue with the institution of churchianity right
1: (laughs) I like that term a lot um so oh gosh the okay so the other thing that I wanted to ask you about um
0: (laughs) great questions by the way so
1: yeah, no, I, I don't really have away. prepared questions, but I just read all these notes. So, um, yeah.
0: yeah, you talked
1: powerful. about the book, the um, course, in miracles towards yeah. the end, right? Mm-hmm. That's something that I am not familiar as familiar mm. with as many of the other things you discussed. Um, I am familiar with this. Uh, call it a myth, what the a hypothesis, I guess, or mm. or a, a proposition that Jesus did write a gospel that was called the Book of Love, and that it was. Mm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but it, when you said what your friend Richard had said about a course in miracles, it made me go: Is a course in miracles the gospel of Jesus? Like, is is this the you know the channeled gospel of Jesus? I'm not asking you to make a claim about that, but did you have you done the course? Is this something that you like use in your practice, or you, like, what's your relationship to a course? Absolutely, in
0: miracles? huge fan. Um... As you uh, mentioned, uh, Richard, who is an Apache medicine man, who I'm just cosmically lucky enough to, you know, have a longtime friendship with, who met my dad in a synchronistic way and I write about, and um, yeah, he's a very wise man. He's an Apache healer, and um, he years ago basically said, if you want to really get on the path, so to speak, yoga, meditation, that's all great. Um, but check out this book. It's, um, you know, kind of one of the highest vibrating, whatever you, whatever you want to frame it. Um, and it, because it hasn't been corrupted yet, and kind of to your point, like when, you know, and, and again, to the schisms of the main religions, like when the teaching hits from the pure vessel of spirit, whoever that teacher is, man, woman, you know, throughout history that's the real deal. And then very quickly, um, the fumbling occurs, (laughs) you know, and we have it in the gospels taking place as I write about, you know, we can see this schism and schism schism happening as the ego um, throughout history. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think, um, I think, I think that's how it works. There's kind of a high scriptural teaching that hits in a certain corner of the globe for the right people, for the right, process and you know that's what all these religions and paths are they're just different little raindrops if you will of you know cosmic truth and um yeah of course is is very high up there for me it's one of my bibles i would feel comfortable saying and um it's was written in iambic pentameter it's just kind of a fun fact just like shakespearean blank first it's very beautiful very you're, you're an artist it's very poetic um to To read and appreciate, um, yeah, it's a self study curriculum. Basically, it's not a religion. There is a publisher because it's America, but um, but they're super chill. <laughs> and they're fine with me quoting it a lot. Um, it's uh, it has it's broken into three sections. It was written by a woman named Helen Shuckman, who was a psychologist. She was an atheist, Jewish uh, by ethnic background and um you know heard a voice it was intuited um you know people say gospels were inspired you know inspired writing whatever that whatever that means but she actually kind of heard this voice not audio It wasn't auditory it was just a knowing and uh, anyway it's very powerful i don't really care (laughs) came from you know and
1: not a huge deal seems to be made about that aspect of it too like it's not like channeled by it, that's my that's my awareness jesus i could be yeah, wrong nobody
0: really we don't really care i mean yeah, yeah it, some people it's a big deal too i guess but yeah i it because it claims to be from the voice of kind of the enlightened christ if you will mm. um as kind and and the voice uh clarifies some biblical teachings like he'll say like what i meant was <laughs> you know which is kind of funny he gets he gets uh, two thousand years later he gets to mm-hmm. you know make the correction whatever but but any but yeah it's like it doesn't really matter it's just it's just about you know kind of what is the teaching and um it does you know it does talk about for example ego versus uh what it calls the ego versus the christ mind the ego mind and christ mind or you know you could say higher self or um you know there's a variety. Well, it doesn't matter, you know, angel and and devil, you know, whatever the the image is. But um, you know, we kind of have these these two separate um, voices in all of our, you know, internal compass, if you will. And um, and and the the primary teaching, of the course, is is this kind of radical compassion that is takes place in the in the in the form of unconditional forgiveness kind of being able to forgive any yeah it says um fear binds the world forgiveness sets it free you know Mm -hmm. by judging others by playing placing guilt on other people and ourselves we just we imprison ourselves and um you know it's 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 been called the christian vedanta because it uses kind of christian terminology and kind of from a vedic lens Uh, so it was like it was right at home for my (laughs) my background with Jesus scholarship and uh you know Hindu love but um but yeah it's very powerful it, oh what i was going to say was it's kind of has an academic format so it has the text which is like 30 chapters it's it's a life study honestly text the workbook which is 365 lessons that are like a daily lesson just kind of just a meditation and then the third is the manual for teachers kind of after you've gone through the text and then the workbook then you kind of get you know the now that you're ready to like talk about this stuff kind of more guidance there but yeah it's a lot of material and so it's very it's kind profound of like,
1: is it like a self uh sort of a self-certification
0: essentially yeah huh. yeah I mean you don't like get a LinkedIn badge or you sure. know what I mean like, <laughs> <laughs> but you you know I've gone through the lessons twice and so I'm hanging out in the manual for teachers now but I'm still reading text and I kind of Ouija board it you know it's like I've read it all a couple of times so now I'm just kind of like what what's my message today and yeah getting getting a lot of really nice um, insights from the manual for teachers and uh, yeah highly recommend
1: what was your do you remember like what your transformational moments in reading that were like
0: oh there's just so many great lines so let me give you guys a couple um as i save all my favorites um the fear binds the world forgiveness sets it free um this is maybe the best one the holiest place on earth is where an ancient hatred has become a present love wow (laughs) i mean i think you know it's like so many people are the Holy Land, for example, mm. or this is a sacred spot of land. And it's like, none of that matters at all. The holiest place on earth is where an ancient hatred has become on present love, where, where mm. forgiveness has taken place, right? Um, lesson 41, it says, deep within you is everything that is perfect, ready to radiate through you and out into the world. It will cure all sorrow and pain and fear and loss because it will heal the mind that thought these things were real. And yeah. suffered out of its allegiance to them. Yeah. Okay, last one. When a when a brother acts insanely, he is offering you an opportunity to bless him. His need is yours. You need the blessing you can offer him. There is no way for you to have it except by giving it. So it's a very I mean, it's almost psychedelic in that way of kind of the mirror land and projection land. And you know, I think Swami Vivekananda has a has a line where he says, you know, be thankful that someone brings ill will to you because you get to, you know, forgive them or do to, right. do goodwill towards them, you know. Right. Um, and in that section in, in my book, where I introduce, of course, is that how can you have a comprehensive chapter on this thing? Um, I do, I make the connection between Advaita, uh, which is a Vedantic philosophy, Advaita Vedanta, which is Sri Ramana Maharshi, uh, Nisargadatta Maharaj. There was a couple, there was a few teachers. It comes from Shankara, Adi Shankara, who was a medieval uh, Hindu teacher. Mm. But um, there was a couple of guys in the 1900s that were unreal and enlightened and awakened and so on. And they have quotes that are insane and they sound very similar to A Course in Miracles. So Mm. it was very, you know, maybe kind of to come back to your original question. Those, those are some nice ones that I just read, but it really, you know, got me super excited when I would see, oh my gosh, Sri Ramana says something almost word for word. Yeah. Some, of the, some of the stuff in a course sounds just like the invited. So
1: when you I love those w- connections. When you read those things or you do the homework or are you processing or, or, or actually using like your life Are you working through things that are going on and kind of applying daily stuff? I think in its best,
0: I think in its highest, most beneficial way, it's imminently practical. Hmm. Um, There was a good one. This sounds like so surface level, but there was one that's um, one of the lessons is um, this world has nothing that I want. I mean, it's non-dual, so non-dual meaning um, beyond the world. So not really imminent, more transcendent, right? Yeah. Um, this world holds nothing that I want. and uh, and I was kind of doing that almost in a mantra like way. Mm. And I ended up having the greatest day ever. Like like, you know, an old friend came over, and then two best friends heard about it and came by, and then we' all made dinner. And like, you know, it was just like I had I remember journaling about it. Said, this is one of the most amazing days of my life. You know, we just laughed all night, had this great time. And all day the mantra was, um, this world holds nothing that I want. It's almost like it created this level of like complete unattachment to expectation that then kind of the universe or as it, you know, as kind of the mystics call it, the dream, you know, the dream served up the <laughs> a resistance-free, you know, joy. So that was that was a moment that, that was significant in a practical way.
1: That's neat. I, I've been, I've been aware of Byron Katie for not that long. Actually, um, I, her name was sort of floating through my experience. And then mm. somehow I, I read her book and needed to watch the videos to understand the book, um, Same. Yeah. <laughs> the videos
0: are very good. And the book is not as good as the videos, but yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. she's amazing. But, but one of the, th- when, as you were saying that, one of the things that it is difficult for me to sort of cut through is like, I see the ease with which she walks through life, like I recognize Mm -hmm. it. I also can't quite like make the connection to how she actually lives a life, because it seems the way you just described that seems that seems like something I could do. (laughs) But the fact that like she doesn't believe that she just walked like she doesn't she knows she didn't just walk through a door she didn't eat cereal for breakfast because she she because that's not what's happening moment right where's i mean that's just that's sort of go, i just sort of go like how that must i don't know that feels so destabilizing um to on one level and then i get that she has such immense peace from it but i just sort of wonder like what happens to like all these people in your life
2: who are
0: logistical or,
2: yeah i don't Stephen know
0: mitchell her husband Stephen mitchell who's a zen practitioner and writer translator brilliant spiritual yeah. guy um has a great he has a couple of really great interviews on podcast talking about what he what he calls in some in his relationship like he's like I'm, now i'm making love to the buddha you know He like he's
2: uh-huh. essentially
0: married to a you know what he considers to be a nearly enlightened person or awakened yeah. person basically and he tells some funny stories you know about, oh
1: i'd love to um, hear that if you yeah where oh is it's that?
0: great uh well there's a pete holmes podcast with uh Stephen mitchell that's amazing and yeah, has a couple okay. of really great stories about their life and um you know she'll she'll basically i don't know if this is the case now because i think what happened was when she first awakened it was like like she had to relearn like words like right. she was so it was almost like a stroke. Whereas now you know it's been thirty years, essentially twenty years, and I think you know maybe she's been becoming more material world over the time. But you know, she, basically, Stephen said like she would be walking around the sidewalk, you know, on the street, and like a homeless person would start talking to her, and she would like sit on the bench with him and hold her hold their hand and like just talk for an hour. You know, and and Stephen would be like, we, we have to go. You know, like, <laughs> I have to go. Like, we can't keep doing this. But he, she's just like smiling and just listening to him, you know, and she would. And so he would leave and come back and get her. Like, and it's so it's just such a like, just just skipping through life, you know, it's like mystic, you know, I mean, that's kind of like someone on, a, on acid or something like yeah. just being really, really blissed out of just no attachment, no time yeah you know yeah it's pretty profound but i think she's on one of her last incarnations for sure (laughs) on the way out of this place
1: wow yeah thank you i i will listen to that because that's been a question that's been kind of in my mind for a while it's like yes but how do you do life
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's a good question Oh. She, I, I I, can't help but um, not mention at the towards the end of the book I cite a story of hers where she's she was um, famously had a gun pointed in her face yes. and um, she said that the first thought that came up was I hope that he doesn't do that to himself yeah and uh, the implication being I hope that he doesn't kill a human and have to live with the guilt essentially of yeah. killing a woman. <laughs> Me. <Yeah.
2: laughs> you know,
0: zero fear, zero, just <laughs> unconditional uh, you know, love and compassion. And I think that's that's the game here. You know, okay. that's that's the Jesus forgiving killers saying, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He's getting killed brutally. It says, you know, don't yeah. worry about it, guys. You know, it's like that's because you can't kill this isn't you know that's body transcendence that's there's a lot more to that and it's and i don't think it necessarily means being you know a pushover or whatever it's just like living from this place of you know unassailable peace
2: yeah that
1: was always something that that really boggled my mind about the crucifixion story because it it like didn't make logical sense to me i mean not the spiritual element of it obviously you know the resurrection i'm gonna leave that to whatever but just like just the the interpretation it's like okay well you're either not a human and this is a painful excruciating thing that you had to experience totally get that or you are not of this world in which case how could this be anything but a spiritual experience do you know what i mean like it didn't the the Christians seem to use that story to make it about someone who is, quote, not of this world, but of the pain that he had to endure right. for us. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, well, I agree. I get that it would be painful as a human. <laughs> but the the podium that you are but putting him on. But you're saying he's not a human.
0: And right. yet you're saying he suffered. And yeah, it's, um, you know, like the Charlie meme uh from like it's always sunny no, oh, no. <laughs> it's charlie day um it's always sunny he's like he's like a crazy guy scribbling on the paper no. and he's just like trying to explain something anyway that's kind of how i look at some of like the christian apologetics because it's like they're, they're they're they have like this like exhaustive kind of explanation to try to make it all work and and it's just not a cohesive thing um and uh yeah, I mean, I think the the mystic view is he was just undoing, 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 essentially undoing the body identification,
2: mm. you know.
0: And um, I even write it at the end of the book, um, you know, I personally do believe that he appeared to his disciples in the flesh mm. because I've also read plenty of Hindu stories, friends, where the master shows up to the disciples, Yogananda himself uh, wrote about his own guru whom he buried two months prior who appears in the flesh. He hugs him mm-hmm. and Sri tashwar appears and basically explains kind of the afterlife and these higher realms and astral things and karmic questions that Yogananda has. Um, it's not that big a deal. I mean, it is obviously, but you know, it happens when essentially you break the wheel of samsara when you break the need to have your consciousness be separate again you know when you're you're carrying these karmic subconscious what of course has guilts but you know the yogis we just keep carrying this old stuff from lifetime to lifetime as soon as you drop the last thing yeah the last lesson whatever it is then you you drop the body also you don't need this anymore um but then you're free you're free from the wheel of this time and space existence and so you can you can materialize you know and 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 you know be be a cosmic cheerleader for yeah. your brothers and sisters that are still here and that's the bodhisattva vow in buddhism when you when you enlighten it's you're still working on behalf of all beings and so um so yeah, I think Jesus was was kind of that enlightened guru figure who broke broke the wheel, um, but but came back to say, hey, you know, it's I, what what he says in a course. Actually, back to the course to clarify, in terms of what he was doing with the resurrection was to say that was to prove man is spirit.
2: Mm-hmm. The
0: resurrection was to prove that I'm that we are not bodies.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I had to come back to show them uh, mm-hmm. that and. Uh, you know it's all it's uh, i like i love this hinduism piece. it's all happening perfectly you hmm. know it's like it's all undoing we have all these great teachers these brothers and sisters that have shown us how to undo it shown us how to reconnect with the creator with the divine you know it's all happening right as it exactly as it should and um, and you know it's beyond linear time we're stuck in the dream seemingly where it is but it's okay, you know. Just, just, just open your eyes a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like. We're that. all just. What, what is the roundhouse? We're all walking each other home, you know. Mm. We're all just going back in this really gentle um, type of way. So, anyway.
1: Yeah, that made, That's. It's so interesting because you talk about the um, the utility from I think it's from the Hindus' perspective, right? Of, of having so many different paths because there's so many different. Ways of digesting, I think you equate it to in the beginning, you know and and that's really interesting to me too, because they have Ayurveda, which specifically states that not everybody needs requires the same foods, and you know good for you is not good for me, and you know all that stuff, which right. we don't really have in like in the west we don't we don't kind of make those distinctions of I mean maybe we do a little bit, but not not in that sort of like
0: nowhere um, near the yeah. level of specificity that's yeah. so true yeah yeah, yeah. there's they have a great that those systems have a are more sophisticated in terms okay. of looking at it, everyone's individual needs and so on yeah that's yeah. so
1: true i i don't know where i was going with that but i did want to ask you about two other
2: <laughs> two, sure yeah yeah
0: <laughs> two no other problem. Things. sorry um
1: yeah we're Oh, oh, the the it was per. It's all perfect. It's so funny because I have I have encountered so many Hindus. So I'm I'm friends with so many. I mean, I've been to festivals, you know, like just yeah, so many. But for whatever reason, that vehicle was never like the one for me. So I mm, couldn't yeah. hear it as clearly. But I just realized that's something that one of my teachers says all the time. Everything mm. is right, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I, Shout out to Gary Bodley who's been on the podcast. Um, So the other thing that oh oh I know because we're still talking about Jesus. What what if any is your thought on like the Mary Magdalene um, on who Mary Magdalene was or how this how she fits into the to the story? Did that ever kind of yeah? I don't
0: make the claim that they were married, but I'm I think that's more likely than anything. Mm-hmm. Frankly, um, I do write about the Nag Hammadi discovery briefly, particularly because of Thomas.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so the Gospel the Gospel of Thomas is actually a nice text to touch on briefly with you too, and for your audience, because it kind of ties all of this together. People are saying, Yeah, of course, in miracles and Hinduism, what the hell is this guy talking about? Gospel of Thomas, guys, was and you already know this because you've listened to this, but the gospel of Thomas. Was found in 1945 as a complete gospel. We we didn't have it for 2,000 years. We knew about it because the church fathers would write about it and say, you know, this isn't a gospel. This is. This isn't. This is. And so we knew it existed. And we even had scraps that were found in a dumpster in Oxyrhynchus, um, and about a hundred years ago. Um, But in 45, a shepherd in Egypt was chasing a goat and went under a boulder and found um, these jars. It was 13 leather bound books, contained about 50 different texts. And um, the Gospel of Thomas, in my view, is the most significant find um, because it's a complete gospel. And I do make the case in my book as not a scholar, but as a student of scholarship, that I do believe it, it is the earliest gospel that we have. Um, there's a not a consensus on when it was written. Um, and I'll get to why it's important in a second, but some some scholars say it was before Mark. Some scholars say it was after John.
2: Nice. So
0: n- there's no consensus on if it was the first or or last. There's disagreement. Um, But the reason I think it's so early, least contemporary with John, is because about 70%, well, first off, the Gospel of Thomas is 117 sayings of Jesus, It just says Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, about 70% of those sayings are in the New Testament Gospel. So we have the mustard seed, we have the wedding garment, we have tell me what I'm like, you know people who are familiar with the bible will know those parables Mm. and what's crazy porter about those thomasine versions is that they're simpler you know first of all there's no plot which means that this is rudimentary Mm. right unlike the gospels which are rich narratives there's no narrative it's just jesus said that and then when they are comparable they're simpler so the version in matthew and luke of the wedding parable for example the wedding guest is much more there's more to the luke and matthew versions it's simpler in thomas so that means you don't have to be (laughs) genius to say that might have been earlier guys they might have been sourcing what they were um you know using for their gospels from that and the reason all this is crazy is because what if this really is the first gospel or one of the first gospels because it has all these other sayings in it. You know, what else does it say? It has 70% that are lying. What's the 30% that's new? It sounds like the Upanishads. Hmm. It sounds like Hindu or Buddhist okay. philosophy because he says something like, lift a jar, uh, pour, pour out a jar of water and I'm there. Hmm. Chop, a, chop a block of wood and I'm there. Um, you know, there's this very kind of theistic, mystic, non-dual Jesus that comes out of kind of the, the unique to Thomas material. And um, it really validates a lot of like the Eastern connection to me. It validates, you know, even the, of course, kind of stuff in some ways. Um, so it's very, very profound. So massive shout out to Gospel of Thomas and the monks who hit it because some monks hid it basically i mean they they were like they're coming guys we got to hide this stuff and uh you know in, in the 300s is is when we date those but they were just the the egyptian coptic versions of uh the original we don't have the originals yeah. but um but to your question about magdalen the gospel of magdalen is also in the nagamadi discovery unfortunately yeah. it's only a shred it's only mm-hmm. about two pages Um, We don't have the whole thing, but it is very, even those two pages are amazing. And um, essentially, Peter is not thrilled with the fact that Mary was so close to him. Mm -hmm. Kind of both generally and in this little moment that they share together, because she's explaining something that he had told just her Mm
2: -hmm. and Peter's
0: kind of dismissing her. And the other gospel disciples are saying, "Wait, wait, wait! You shouldn't be dismissing. This sounds like good stuff." And, but Peter can't get over the fact that she was the recipient of this kind of knowledge about astral. He's talking about souls and spirits, and it's um, it's very interesting. And you know, again, Nagamati is is extremely historically reliable in terms of its its earliness. So um, I definitely, I think. I think it's very likely she was his wife, which it would have been more, um, it it would have been very uh, exceptional for a Jewish rabbi to not have a wife um, at his age in that period. Um, But if they weren't married, which is also possible, it seems to be very clear that she was at the very least a close disciple, if not one of the closest. Yeah, interesting. She's not the prostitute, you know. It's like yeah, a lot yeah. of Americans and Christians think, "Oh, Mary Magdalene." No, no, no. As a different character,
2: right?
0: She was. She was very close with him. Yeah,
1: I have. Yeah, I have. Uh, I love. I love that story. Um, well, we won't go into that. Right now. Um, well, and Megan
0: Waterston wrote <laughs> "Mary Magdalene Revealed," which goes into. Oh
1: right, I have. I have. Mag- Mary Magdalene's
0: one. kind of having a moment right now.
1: It's on my bookshelf. Thankfully. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, Okay. And the other thing that I was going to ask you about, if you don't mind, do you have Mm -hmm. time? Yeah, I do. Um, So you make, uh, you allude, allude to this quantum physics porch talk soliloquy that you (laughs) didn't put in the book. But I wondered if you if we could kind of if if you feel inspired, um if you want to chat about quantum physics from your perspective. Obviously, I understand that you're not a physician or a, a physicist physician.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am not a physicist. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> um and I'm and I'll disclaimer anything around the quantum mechanics world by saying that, which I do in the book and which is important for me to call out, which is that. I think a lot of, there are a lot of spiritual teachers that despite their good intentions have kind of said, hey, quantum physics proves spirituality.
2: Hmm.
0: And that may be true in some ways, but it's also not, that can do a disservice to the quantum physicists who've spent their lives studying this material. And there's a little more to it than that. And so I'm hesitant to you know I yes I watched what the bleep do we know 20 years ago um you know obviously and but um but I just want to honor kind of the intricacies and kind of uncertainty that's really the beauty of quantum physics is, yeah. is, is the mystery of it all um before I make any claims. Um that said I mean you know my my non-scientist understanding of quantum physics and quantum mechanics are, are very in line with, um, you know, what the mystics say and what the non-dualists say, which is, you know, basically these these people started looking at the building blocks of this plane of existence, and they're not blocks at all, (laughs) you know, they're moving, they're unexpectedly moving all the time, Um, you know, there's a lot of emptiness there, uh, you know, and and the observer effect is something that's really interesting in terms of like when someone's looking at the actual subatomic particle, it, it that has an effect on it. Um, I'll I'll also point people to there's a really great book called An End to Upside Down Thinking.
1: Oh, you um, mentioned that on Aubrey's podcast. Yeah, I was I was going to read yeah, that. Yeah, and he
0: and what's funny is Mark Ober was on Aubrey a few months prior, and I was like. I, I texted Aubrey. said, I'm so excited to come to your podcast. I'm cracking up because you're interviewing Mark Gober in this one. And all I do is send people to his work. Um, Yeah. Mark, Mark isn't a scientist. Also, he's a lawyer. He's a patent lawyer, actually, but he's a um, very, um, he was like, I think, Magna cum Laude at Princeton or something like that. Anyway, smart guy. He, he, he references a lot of research studies that, Point out what he considers to be anomalies across scientific disciplines. So there's mm. all these different anomalies across scientific disciplines that are kind of unexplained in biology and chemistry, physics, etc. And um, the case he makes, as well as is another guy, Bernardo Castro, who I believe is a physicist, PhD, um, who wrote a book called uh, "Why Materialism Is Baloney." So, <laughs> great title um but both of those guys are essentially pointing at you know what's what a a lot of contemporary scientists are pointing to around the crumbling of scientific materialism
2: Mm.
0: which means that kind of scientific materialism as the old paradigm and kind of new consciousness or quantum mechanics consciousness as fundamental as the new paradigm so what do i mean by that so In the scientific materialism view, which is the previous kind of since Newton, 300 years or more, matter is the foundational, um, you know, building block. Matter, and then chemistry, and then biology, and then, you know, fauna flora, humans, human brain consciousness. Right, mm. that's the pyramid. Yeah. And um, you know, what Gober and Kastrup and these and people in this field are saying is the pyramid's still the same, but you're just instead of consciousness being the last one, you just uh. put consciousness at the bottom layer yeah. underneath matter, matter being the second layer mm. on top of consciousness. Mm. And he Gober cl- the case Gober makes in his book is that once you do that, all of most of these anomalies if not all make a lot more sense um when you have consciousness being fundamental and um you know as a mystic uh, that's what that's what literally every mystical tradition has said um uh, kind of from the dawn of time from the vedas mm-hmm. to uh, a new one i'm new to which is getting some steam kind of on like spiritual youtube and spiritual instagram is hermeticism
2: oh yeah i don't yeah. really write about
0: mm-hmm. it very much in the book i think i just mention it maybe once or twice, but the the, the Hermetics Mm -hmm. tradition, um, all is mind, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, Course in Miracles says, one brother is all brothers, every mind contains all minds, for every mind is one.
2: Mm -hmm. I
0: mean, Advaita, um, Sri Ramana Maharshi was asked, how are we to treat others? And he said, there are no others. (laughs) You know, this idea of this holistic consciousness, kind of capital M mind, as being underlying is right at home in the mystery mm-hmm. traditions. so so yeah so that's what i'll tease uh that's really all i'm comfortable talking about beyond that check well, out that's i think
1: six. i think what you actually um that was super interesting and explains the upside down thinking um a little i'm still gonna read the book um <laughs> But weren't you talking about like what were what like new age people are sort of getting wrong when they talk about I mean I I don't you know like like there were some maybe some some uh misunderstandings that you felt or or what did I get that was was I off on that?
0: Um well I, I have a very good buddy who's an old friend of mine, philosopher. He was a physics major and he's the one who really helped me um firmly establish that viewpoint that you know i even had the tendency 10 10 years ago or so to say oh quantum physics it proves spirituality right. and like i realize i kind of just did that right in that longer explanation but i'm still like i'm still pretty firm on the disclaimer of like you know let the physicists say that and i feel like every month i'm seeing a new fricking article, in, you know, even as big as like Time Magazine, you, you know, and 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 some even scientific journals. These quantum physicists are coming out and saying, you know what? Like, I saw a quote from this, this this guy. I can't remember who it was, but he said, uh, he goes, I've been studying quantum physics for thirty years, and I finally accepted I was studying nothing.
2: Because it's the science of
0: nothing, you know, and I and the mystics were right. You know, it's like there's kind of this throw their hands up in the air moment with the, the level of where the you know that that field of study is. But yeah, I think you know, I'm just I'm hesitant to and and, and maybe this is the a good point to kind of leave you with and your audience, which is
2: yeah.
0: it doesn't really matter to the mystic, yeah. you know, the mystic. We'll take all the help we can get. <laughs> but, you know, the mystic is really just interested in loving every being as a face of Christ, as a, you know, fractal of the infinite. Yeah. Um, you know, the too much analytical, um, you know, kind of intellectual analyses. Um, that's not where the truth is. You know, that they, they can be useful guides and frameworks for people that are, um, you know, hesitant. You know, they might, maybe they'll, that'll be the right thing that they stump It will be the right thing, you know, yeah. to our point earlier. It'll, every It's all happening exactly as it should, right? So the frameworks are useful, but, um, but it really ultimately doesn't matter. And I think, you know, the Buddha has this great image of when you when you cross in a boat to the other shore, you leave the boat at the shore and you keep Hmm. walking. You don't need to keep carrying that boat with you. You know, Hmm. that's kind of, that's a comment on kind of the intellectual aspect and the scriptures and kind of, you know, worship of, of the texts and the concepts. It's like the the concepts take you to a certain point, but beyond that, it all melts away.
2: Hmm.
1: That kind of made me think about, you were talking about, um, the difference between bhaktis and jhana yes, yogas is that yes yes jhana, they're sort of the scientists of, of our era maybe
0: yeah i mean again i love your point about the ayurvedic system because <laughs> that's true with the spiritual path for the hindus they, they're called the yogas yoga just means union path of union right so Jana yoga kind of intellectual it's really thought or self-inquiry is the path of kind of Sri Ramana Maharshi, the, the Yanis would. It's all about undoing thought identification with self and and then you have the, the bhaktas, bhakti yoga, which is devotion, kind of creative poetry, music, dance, um, crying tears of devotional love is the bhaktas. And and then karma yogis are kind of third, the service um there's overlap obviously but that's a simplistic way of looking at it and 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 that's so valuable i think because you have you have a bhakti who who looks at the yana yogis and says gosh they're so cold hearted you know and then the yanis look at the bhaktis and they're going god they're just so crazy dancing around you know and, and it explains the human these these different human kind of archetypes that we have that that the abrahamics don't really tend to honor those distinctions you know, mm. as, as clearly but but yeah there's just they're all there's all these beautiful paths
1: awesome thank you so much bob for, for yeah. being willing to do this <laughs> being willing to show up for someone who you've never met so i really appreciate that
0: <laughs> well thanks so much for listening to the book i really appreciate it i'm glad you liked it and and yeah. um, I, I thanks so much for bringing up some really cool topics and and yeah. uh, it's clear that clear that you enjoyed enjoy the work so it means a lot I did thank you so
1: (laughs) will you tell people how they can find out more about you I know you mentioned a podcast like how well how can we stay in touch with Bob Peck
0: yeah mostly on TikTok and Instagram um original sin is a lie is like all my accounts um original sin is a lie.com and uh I did just get a Substack, so I do like I have a free email newsletter uh, it's about once a month, um, and uh, yeah, say originalsinzalie dot com has links to everything.
1: Cool. I will link that for people so that they can cool. click on it easily. All right. It just means
0: your inherent goodness.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love awesome. it, but you but in the time of thumbnails, it's good to have. <laughs> it's good a little, to have little something edgy. that really shocks. Yeah.
0: A little double takey. <laughs> awesome thank you porter
1: have a great day thanks y'all for joining us we'll see you in the next episode okay wait before you go please leave us a review on apple podcasts and if you listen to it on youtube you can just leave a comment there make sure to subscribe this really really helps the algorithm uh, know that you are enjoying it and allows other people to find us so we thank you thank you thank you thank you and we'll see you in the next episode